0: Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 78. Chris Dovey. I've been aware of Chris Dovey for a while as a journalist uh, writing for Style and a number of other publications, but I, I mean, I mainly have been friends with him on Facebook a while, and I think i friended him after I found out about his show on WRIR, which he's not doing anymore, called Open Source. And uh, I've enjoyed the stuff he shares on there, the articles that he's posting and, you know, kind of where he's coming from. I didn't realize until we did this podcast that we have a lot of mutual friends. And he was actually a member of the Jolly Mortals, which is a band that Dave D'Onato and Eric Sugg and Tony Brown and a bunch of other guys were in. I had no idea they were a cover band. Though. They just sound like one of those Richmond Avant Art Damaged uh, Math Bands that we had so many of back in the day. Try not to breathe hard into the microphone because I just realized I'm a little, i a little winded for some reason. I took up smoking again on New Year's. I thought everybody else is quitting something destructive. I'm gonna start something destructive, you know. King Contrary, man. And that was a hit of coffee there. Um, I don't have a sponsorship so I don't get to say anything about crap in my pants when I do that, but nevertheless, I thought it would be a nice little bit of color for you to hear me sipping something. Um, so this is, I'm posting this podcast that, well, first a little bit more about it, you know, uh, so Chris Dovey's a journalist and, uh, we talked about, and he's also, you know, very, very interested and informed about the history of Richmond. It's, um, businesses and politics and socioeconomic currents. And, uh, I take a real interest in that as well. I think it's kind of romantic for me. I think it's also kind of like, I grew up in this city and I grew up in the remains of its prosperity and, you know, I've always kind of like, you know, it's like haunted mansions everywhere, these tobacco factories and all this stuff and you got to kind of wonder what it was like when it was really kicking ass and thriving. I mean, I, I remember just, you know, up until I was like 14, downtown was a thing. You know, like, I, I went to church on Gray Street at six and Gray Street, and we used to walk over to Tallheimer's at Christmas time and look at the animatronic shit in the window and um, go to Miller and Rhodes, and they had a perfume fountain in there, and there's like, Barry Burke, all this other stuff. And my mom worked at Tallheimer's. I used to go down there. There was, a, like, a hot dog place in the basement. Get And there were movie theaters down there. There was just all kinds of shit when I was growing up, and it's, you know, just kind of all gone away. And yet that... I don't know, that, that ghostly energy of, um, of a little, the little bit of metropolis that we were at one time for Short Pump really became the herb instead of Richmond being the herb. We went from a suburb to an herb itself, constructed city. And uh, we talk a lot about that and lots of other things that have sort of... I think we both have the same romantic relationship with... Um, with Richmond's history and uh, would like to see it um, I'd like to see it get something like it had before but different obviously you know we want we want the socially progressive version of it you know not, not all the sins of the past and the, uh, slavery and, and um, Jim Crow and all of that stuff but still you know we got a perfectly good nice as he said the city's got good bones I mean, there's a lot we could do with this place and You've got to get over the, and I think we are getting over the history, the bad parts of the history, or we're reconciling the bad parts of the history and developing some pride because, of course, amongst my peers, you know, the first thing you wanted to do when you got out of college, or even if you didn't go to college, you got to a certain age, you're like, got to get out of Richmond, and then we all would talk up with such disdain about Richmond when we were other places like New York and Chicago, Richmond, Richmond, and talk about it being the velvet coffin you go back there after you flunked out of some major city I know I came back here a bunch of times I came back here from New York in 1998 and a friend of mine said I got kicked out in New York a part of me really wanted to come back here and I got choked up as I was riding the train back into town and saw the kudzu and uh Virginia creeper in the trees and all around and I, I definitely am a southern boy in that way and I'm related to that romance. Um, So, I don't know, you know, talking to Chris made me realize that, I mean, I say how this podcast isn't journalism. Well, it isn't. It's, you know, we talk about this quote that I couldn't remember in there, but I looked up later, George Orwell said, journalism is printing something somebody doesn't want printed, all the rest of it's PR. And and what I'm doing is somewhere in between PR and journalism. I, I think it's more of a archive a project an exploration a story I mean you can put all these together over time all 78 of them and you can see a thread in my life and you can see a thread in the lives of the people and what's going on in Richmond's so I think that's kind of cool you know it's a really long document and um but it you know it gave me a real interest in in talking to him thinking about journalism and the the so-called fourth estate i mean it is supposed to be this independently functioning uncorruptible ethical thing that you know tells you people what other people don't want told so that you know there is a it's an uh, it's part of the democracy it's part of the democratizing aspect of our culture that you know of course even even if you're not really an evil person you want to shovel over the shitty stuff in your life or you're not really an evil corporation you want to play up the good and play down the bad um, but you you know somebody really does need there does need to be an impartial or as impartial as you can get kind of agency that says hey you know everybody needs to know all the facts so that they can make informed choices and and that's really what journalism is about and, and it's you know it's gotten bastardized and twisted and many you know, there are many journalists that are in the pocket of somebody and they've always it's always been content in between ads you know i mean i think maybe the early newspapers didn't have ads in them but they were still somebody's somebody was putting that shit out there for a reason there was a slant to it there's kind of always a slant to it but as chris says and i think he really tries to be there's um you know there's a way to do it that, you know, there is a set of rules, there's a set of practices, there's a set of standards that keep it this real thing in which you are playing the role, you know, and there's this sort of a hallowed office of journalism that exists and um, it's kind of like being a judge or something, you know, and is, is, is it's as important in a lot of ways, but, you know, it, it's definitely, I had, I had started to kind of be cynical about most journalism, I just think of it as people with axes to grind. And they're usually, you know, in somebody's pocket and they're really concerned more about selling papers or selling magazines or, you know, selling ad space on a website or clicks or whatever. And because that's always at stake, it's kind of hard to be truly ethical. But, I mean, I think Chris is one of those people and from what I get from talking to him, I mean, he really, you know, it's, a, it's um, that hallowed tradition is something he respects greatly and tries to pass on to the kids at VCU. So real quick, um, this is kind of a long intro, and you know, you can skip to the the talk anytime you want. I can't even keep my own story straight sometimes, because I go out of my way to say these are conversations, not interviews, and then I turn around and call them an interview. But that's me, and I've always been kind of like that. Um, Can't keep my story straight. But, uh, you know, David Bowie died um, last week, and it hit me really hard, and it and it hit me like in this i definitely felt like something had gone out of this world and i'm not saying there aren't things like him or people like him around anymore but there was more and i say thing because more than david bowie as a person there was a thing that he was a a archetype a i think a modern archetype of of embraced difference of um of really letting your freak flag fly and he came out of the 60s when everybody was saying that but he really did it you know he continued to be who he was um and he inspired so many people to be authentically who they are whether people like it or not you know i don't think i mean he he was definitely interested in selling records but i think you know early in his career he really got people to come along with him rather than go along with them and you know he led in that way he led us to open our minds and let us to to embrace and to accept things that made us uncomfortable and made us weird and not only accept it but be attracted to it because i gotta admit i mean i i my uh sexuality and my gender identity fall somewhere on the spectrum i'm not a hardcore macho dude i'm pretty sensitive and emotional and i've had my leanings in various directions um i wouldn't go so far as to say i'm you know well i don't know want to use any labels but i've had my leanings and and i felt a real love and affection for the guy that um you know kind of it transcended anything that um was really based on his music and based on the records that i own you know i own a bunch of records i listen to a lot of his music i'm really partial to the I like the '70s stuff a lot. I even really like "Let's Dance." I mean, that's a it was really interesting record. I mean, you got Stevie Ray Vaughan on it. You got um, Nigel the fuck is his name? All of a sudden, it's getting out of my head. Tony Thompson from Chic, Nile Rodgers produced that record. Um, I think it was really the precursor to what the Power Station ended up doing. Dubious a thing as that may have been. It was pretty cool melding of like um, funk and you know black music and Southern Texas you know, blues, Boogie, and David Bowie's thing, and it's got a sheeny 80s production on it, but it's pretty interesting to hear, you know, David Bowie's kind of poetic, uh, croony kind of thing, um, underscored by Stevie Ray Vaughan's kind of like, you know, powerful, uh, you know, frenetic, coked-up guitar, Um, and that's also kind of interesting, because, you know, it hadn't been that long since David Bowie had been a serious cokehead, and then, he was playing music with somebody who was at that time, and um, that's what I understand about why he didn't tour with them. But, you know, going back and looking over his music, in addition to his influence, I realized, you know, the guy as fey and as um, effeminate and as androgynous as he was, he was a total fucking rocker, total rock and roller. Like, always picked these awesome guitar players to play with him, like Mick Ronson and uh, um, Adrian Ballou. Even I was watching the stage stuff from like the tour after station to station and he's I mean he's doing some really cool guitar stuff up there and, and David Boy was really good at at um, picking out those guys and, and finding those kinds of guitar players or many many of them and um, you know Cal- Carlos Alomar is one of them too he's in a lot of those things and I don't you know he's kind of an unsung I think he was on the Saturday Night Live band at one point and he plays the guitar on Run DMC's like guitar-based stuff, but kind of one of those guys that doesn't have a high profile. Another coffee sip, um. <clears throat> but you know, there's just this, and and nobody ever said that androgyny and feyness and glam and glitter and all of that. And shit, I forgot. Man who sold the world. I mean, there's Sabbath riffs on that. That's like a almost a heavy rock record. The like, dude was always into rock, but you kind of think of him as being something. More ethereal, and and I think that's the cool thing is that he always had that that feminine energy of embracing, accepting, absorbing, and he also had the hard cock energy of rock and roll, you know, and really a great combination of those things, and that was such an early influence on me because I really liked those things. I liked the when I was in high school, I liked Duran Duran, I liked the Smiths, I liked the Cure, but I was listening to fucking Dokken and Rat and Metallica. Slayer and I almost had two worlds where I hung out with the art fags and I hung out with the kids who like metal and I liked either of those things equally and when I say art fag I don't mean you know what I mean so but I, I was equally drawn to that sort of dark artsy poetic kind of thing and really drawn to just adrenaline you know you know I was like 15 lifting weights in my room and listening to rat and all that stuff and you know I wasn't trying to be macho but I was trying to I don't know. I I just wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be fit, you know, and I loved the adrenaline energy of listening to metal and lifting weights. I still do. Actually, I'm 45 years old. I still go to the gym, and I have a metal playlist on my headphones that I rock out to and get all worked up and, you know, pump iron. And it's just, I mean, that's a physicality um, and and a part of my gender and my role and me exploring myself as being – I like to be rugged, I like to be strong, I like to be physical, I don't want to be scared of those things, Um, but at the same time, I got a gooey center, I mean, I feel things really intensely, I feel very emotional, I walked around crying when David Bowie died, like really like sobbing, listening to his music, and you know, and I I mean, there are people, and not enough, that have said to me, in my life and say to our culture in general that it takes way more strength to cry than to force tears back and to, and to not have feelings, to fully like open yourself to the fully human experience of having emotions, to, to cry, to, uh, to feel grief, to feel lost, to feel heartbreak, all of those things. It really makes you a well-rounded p- person. It takes a lot of courage to confront it. And most men are raised to just choke that shit off, rub some dirt on it keep going. And the thing is, it's in there. So, you know, you don't acknowledge it, it comes out as aggression and anger. And I've really tried to have a good balance there. But David Bowie dying made me realize the ways that I have been trying to fit myself into a man role that I have picked up somewhere, you know, that I've decided is what I'm supposed to be. As a grown up man, as a potential husband to somebody or a father, I've definitely been like, Trying to fit myself into some kind of mold And I don't know where I got it It's some moldy idea of a mold Don't know where it came from But I've definitely been doing it And and this his death reminded me That I really got to be myself And stop worrying about what other people think I mean there's certainly boundaries there You don't want to be a dick to people You want to hurt other people But when you're doing shit that ain't hurting anybody And you're worried about people judging you That ain't no good that's you know it's living in a prison of your own making and we've certainly all been programmed by this culture to be good consumers and maybe our parents to be this kind of man and that kind of woman and and then we do it to each other and we don't even realize we're doing it but um it's given me a lot to think about chew on meditate to look at the way that um bowie did his whole life and did his own thing and um i encourage you all to look at that too you know um i don't know maybe i'll start dating guys why not i've always been sort of attracted to men who knows women have certainly given me enough trouble maybe it's time <clears throat> anyway um that's the longest intro i've ever recorded so um if you made it all the way here with me I appreciate you i hope you enjoyed that and we are gonna roll on into chris dovey in progress
1: you're gonna call me back hey remember that great (laughs) wide-ranging they're
0: they're always a little bit of a disaster (laughs) That's um but anyway like so i'm I'm recording now okay so you were talking about being at bacon's castle like yesterday maybe is that when it was
1: uh we were there sunday yeah oh no what is to saturday we were there saturday
0: and so bacon was kind of an a a fuck up asshole rich kid whose parents sort of tried to shuffle him off to the new world and hook him up with some connections are we
1: starting the interview yeah
0: yeah we're not interviewing we're talking
1: oh we're just chatting yeah yeah do we want to like talk like you know I'm so and so and this is snow Nah. Just get it rolling. Yeah,
0: that's right. Because I'm going to introduce this and say I, I'm, Chris Dovey is on this okay. podcast, and okay, so you know we like to tantalize with the unknown. Who is that? Who's that you the guy? Know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah. So we went down to. Um, this is I've been engrossed for the last two years in mm-hmm. a project both my wife and I mm-hmm. um, and have gotten very little in the way of not working mm-hmm. time as in like day and night pretty much. You've been
0: engrossed do. in the code RVA? Code
1: VA. Code yeah,
0: VA. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we've been um, fully consumed
1: in, in something that is frankly almost kind of beyond our scope We're mm-hmm. creating an infrastructure for the state to train computer science teachers. Yeah, um, It's not beyond her scope but it's beyond my scope. I'm I trade a journalist
0: right I read your profile you don't know how to write code (laughs) nope
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can write but not code but Um, you
0: recognize the uh the necessity or the value of that and want to support it more than
1: recognize it my dad was an engineer at NASA my brother is a programmer my brother-in-law is a programmer Um, my sister-in-law is an artist but who is basically a coder mm -hmm. um yeah Um, Yeah, And then also as an education reporter, which is primarily what I reported on, Mm -hmm. and Ed Policy, this was something that kept coming up over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So it was something we had to do. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we took this this long, um, way too long, um, delayed break.
2: And Mm -hmm. we
0: went to, where else would you go? Yeah, I was going to ask, what made you decide to go to Bacon's Castle? It wasn't there.
1: We went to the paradise that everybody knows as Surrey.
0: Okay, Surrey, Virginia. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's part of the pork and peanut run, isn't exactly. it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but it, um, there's a park there, um, and I have forgotten the name of the park, and I don't want to tell anybody anyway because it's a pretty awesome park.
0: Yeah, keep it a secret.
1: And it's got cabins there, so you can stay in these cabins mm-hmm. that are really nice. They're not rustic. They're, they're called rustic, but mm-hmm. they're really nice. Um, and there's um, a river right there. There's You can go and, and pull... 10,000-year-old fossils out of the side of a cliff next to the river. Um, What else was there? Um, There was no television. That was awesome. Internet sucked, Mm -hmm. which was also awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You got a ferry ride over to Williamsburg to um, whatever is in Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. And then Bacon's Castle is maybe four miles away Mm -hmm. and uh, so we had driven over there just to look because it's closed yeah so oh you can't
0: go around inside
1: i i mean i think it's open during the week it Uh was not open it wasn't when you went yeah so we just we we were just looking i'd never actually been there um house is kind of screwed up looks like um over the years people have added and subtracted Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. it so you can see where. It's the only, I think, Jacobian style or something structure in in North America.
0: And what is Jacobian? Is that King James?
1: Jeez, if I know, it's old, yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, it's 1640s, I think, or 30s. Um, That was, by the way, not Bacon's Castle. It's called Bacon's Castle the same way that there's a place right down the street called John Smith's Fort.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That was not John Smith's Fort behind the house way back in the woods, was the beginnings of John Smith's Almost Fort. Right. Um, and it's basically a little hill. Or not even a hill. It looks like a, a um, foot-high berm or something. But anyway, so Bacon's Castle, though, was... Uh, I, I think at some point they might have occupied that building or something mm-hmm. during their, their rambling about the countryside with guns, acting like they... Well, like the guys Oregon out in the militia? Oregon militia folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they got their start uh, in a similarly stupid fashion. Um, Bacon was a turd um, mm-hmm. and a little punk. Right. Upstart, and he was sent here, like you said, by his parents. They'd gotten fed up with him and his antics. And they, mm-hmm. and he was probably, I, I don't know this because I've never read a, a Bacon biography other than like little, you know, excerpts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you kind of picture him as being like a London dandy mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, okay, enough of this kid. Send him right. Here new world. He's going to wise up. He's going to toughen up and then he'll come back and he'll be able to be a, a, a you know,
0: leader. productive member of society. Productive, yeah.
1: yeah. We're going to reform the if
0: not, camp. he can not embarrass us too bad from thousands of miles away. There.
1: Oh, well wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent him over here. His, his, uh, cousin is, uh, the governor of Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, and Berkeley is trying to negotiate all kinds of weird stuff having to do with, there's an economic depression. Mm-hmm. um, as happens when there are economic depressions, you have to find a scapegoat. So the colonists right. are all blaming the Indians. Right, they have nothing to do with their economic depression. Right, um, and then some group of Indians gets ticked off because somebody else doesn't pay them for some stuff. So they mm-hmm. come and kill some. Uh,
0: and this is a thing the people settlers. don't. There was a lot of different. There were well, not a there's, lot, but there were several different tribes around here. There were, right. Th-
1: well, there were three that were just involved in in just sort of the lead up to this this, right. uh, this thing. So there's one that didn't get paid for something, kill some people. And then another one entirely that bacon and his boys go and go after and slaughter right. Indians or Indians. Guys, it's like Muslims
0: right? are Muslims. Right. Right. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, or even
0: Sikhs are Muslims. Sikhs are also
1: Muslims these <laughs> yeah. days. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got something on their head. They must be Muslims. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's the sort of what they see with these guys. They're not wearing clothes. They right. Must be the same Indians. Right. So they go after them and, uh, they, they I, capture a couple or kill them or whatever they're doing Mm -hmm. with them and then uh berkeley is now like oh i've got to do something about this so he chases them all over the countryside and eventually Mm -hmm. they capture and i don't actually know what happened to bacon Mm -hmm. i've i've never read what his ultimate fate is oh wait i do know what happened to bacon i'm sorry he died in the midst of the whole shebang like as it's sort of culminating he gets some sort of a og i think they'd call it it's Mm -hmm. like some sort of like a um
0: it, basically you got a- the pl-
1: AUG yeah. a- U- AUG
0: like uh uh-huh, s- a- like g- kind of gout blood, or some shit yeah uh-huh.
1: or blood poisoning from mm-hmm. fleas or something and boom he's dead um and so basically the thing I think breaks up um but I mean there's all sorts of land around Richmond mm-hmm. that was involved in it so like uh, again Bacon's Quarter mm-hmm. um, and then Curl's Neck was a piece of property that as I recall actually belonged to Bacon mm-hmm. Curl's Neck is down Verina Way yeah
0: Curl's um, Neck Dairy yeah. It's at the yeah. same place. Yeah. Curls Neck Farm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, I think today it's now owned by, um, who's the fellow that owns? Uh, Jimmy Dean? Nope. Not Jimmy. <laughs> that guy's. <laughs> no, Bill Goodwin owns it. Bill Goodwin and a partner own. Uh-huh. own uh, it's uh, the fellow who uh, was the developer of Short Pump. Um, so the two of them own it today, but it was a land grant. and. Mm-hmm. I think the king seized it or Berkeley seized it after mm-hmm. this, this revolt and, and sold it, I think, into some other Randolph family or somebody like mm-hmm. that. But anyway, so there's all sorts of...
0: Well, it's interesting that... It, I, mean, I, I mean, you stated you don't really want to talk about like politics, but the threads of the story and like what shit is really about versus what the, you know, people are claiming ideologically the way that you can whip up a a base or whip up support for something based on some ideological bullshit. But it really boils down to some land grab or some, yeah,
1: same as the world of tomorrow and the world of yesterday. It's the same people that are, stirring crap up mm-hmm. just to stir crap up or, or for their own benefit
0: well yeah yeah they so basically they don't <sighs> want to go like we have an um a hierarchy we have a structure we have a, a shits the way it is and their laws and their land use permits and their things you can and can't do according to law and usage and zoning and all of that kind of stuff. And rather than continue to plug away at whatever business you have, like these ranchers in Oregon and just deal with the lot they have, they say, no, we need this other shit and we're going to Trump up some reason to take that shit. You know, they're interesting
1: too because (laughs) Trump, (laughs) so they're interesting too because, um, they already get to use that land if right. they're not turds about it, right. and so it's and they get to use it for a much cheaper rate than they mm-hmm. get to use if they were renting it. Let's say from um, you know an individual,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're getting
1: a better rate. They've yeah, tri- we were again we were at this um, uh, park of no name because mm-hmm. I will not mention the name you of can the you have wonderful to tell me when we got the phone
0: though I won't put it on the podcast <laughs> but I want to go.
1: You don't need to know. Um, It's on a need to know (laughs) basis, and you do need to know. Dovey's secret hideaway, (laughs) the Dovey Cave. So, uh, (laughs) so anyway, so we're um, it's a working farm, and Mm -hmm. it has been since I think 1640 or something Mm -hmm. stupid as well. And uh, it's today, um, you know, you got National Park Services there, Mm -hmm. and they're running the the park. And they've got, I think, three or four cabins that they rent to people, and again, rustic cabins. They've mm-hmm. got a pool on site that apparently is basically the Surrey County community pool. Mm-hmm. They charge like three dollars a day, or a membership, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So you can pay for the the season. Which mm-hmm. Says to me that they're they're you know this is not people who are coming to the park for the day. They right. Primarily use that pool. Right. Um, They've got walking trails that were full of people with dogs that were not staying on the property while mm-hmm. we were there, so they were clearly coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all the park rangers, well, not all of them, but some of the park rangers, many of them, and, in fact, the lead park ranger lives there. He's got a big old tea party thing on the on his, mm. his truck. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, so, okay, what that stands for is, is you know, individual... Um, you know, government leased, government interference, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera.
0: Laissez-faire, like just...
1: Laissez-faire, right. which ideally would be the state gets out of the business of running parks.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Guess what? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, the guys sitting there in on this, so they've seized this federal uh, land.
1: And get back to it. The farmers yeah. that are farming this property, who probably, again, are all for, you know, less tyranny, so to speak, they're getting to farm this property.
0: Right. Standing Probably. on the shoulders of, of stewardship, of roads, of all kinds of infrastructure, all kinds of services they take for granted, and then... Well,
1: they don't think about it until right. you put it in front of them and say, hey, by the right. way, you know, this doesn't happen unless you mm-hmm.
0: taxes. Mm-hmm.
1: Whoa, taxes. You know, I, I should not have to pay for that.
0: Right. There's so, so, so much shit like that of... that we take for granted, and I don't care which side... Even if you're on the, the more liberal side of it... Uh, you don't think about the fact that if you want better schools, for instance, in Richmond, we need Richmond to be a little more gentrified, so there's a better tax base in order to pay for that. You know, we need people in the city that are, have money; they're making money to pay taxes because we're not going to annex Henrico and Chesterfield.
1: You know, and I, yeah. I, it's it's funny when you're you get pigeonholed by mm-hmm. certain people as being oh well, you use liberal, right? Right. Conservative. It's meaningless, right? And it's. Really interesting when people pigeonhole you for believing in something like right. what looks to them is socialism, schools, right, right, so, right. a postal service, right. things like this. Those are basic, or for that matter, most of your utilities. These are you know the underpinnings of what allows commerce to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we
0: all ante up to support that. Right. That network, you know, the and, infrastructure, and all that was, stuff. It
1: was mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, it was under McDonald, mm-hmm. and it was. Um, maybe midway through his four years. And he remembered when he decided that he was going to potentially put tolls
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on 95. Put them
0: back on 95? Well, yeah. (laughs) So he used to have one at Belvedere, you know.
1: Yeah, this would have been coming into the state from Mm -hmm. North Carolina. Okay. Um, So down in a – From the
0: south. Right,
1: uh so sort of a depressed area. And I think up north as well. I Mm -hmm. don't know. But he was going to add tolls to the roads to try to maintain Mm -hmm. some of our roads. Sure. And – who got up in arms about it? It was lots of yellow signs up in Hanover and mm-hmm. yellow signs at tr- truck stops saying, you know, "Don't tread on me."
0: Right. And, Those yellow signs you see along the road say stuff about Benghazi and
1: yeah, there yeah. You go. And whoever this Ben guy is. <laughs> <there>. But uh, <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's a year earlier they'd mm-hmm. have probably been all for tolls on mm-hmm. roads that other people use. But when it becomes the road that they're using, yeah. Now all of a sudden, how dare you try to charge Mm -hmm. me for the thing that's mine? Mm -hmm. A year ago, if it was somebody else using, let's say it was eighty five.
0: And this actually is a thing that would take a tax burden off you. You know, like if we can, if we can charge, it's kind of like the meals tax in Richmond. Since Henrico and Chesterfield don't pay upkeep to the city, then we have a ten percent meals tax, so that when they come to party, they can help support the city. Now, on the other
1: hand, do I agree with toll roads, or should? Anybody really agree with? I don't know because a mm-hmm. toll is a it's a flat tax on everybody. Yeah. Right? Well, not everybody uh, can afford to use the road right. the same way, but mm-hmm. many people who, who maybe have lesser income have to use it more because they have to go to Walmart to mm-hmm. work,
0: and that's right. the only
1: route to get there. Right. So it's, becomes it becomes
0: an, un, an unnecessary or unfair hardship. Yeah, there. it
1: looks super fair because it's flat, but it's not right. really fair.
0: Plus, it would ideally he's thinking of getting people that are using 95, you know, just passing through you know, to take, get them to help pay for the upkeep of the road if they're using it a lot. But, right. Yeah, you could probably figure out some kind of exemption. But that's, I'm not on, you know, I, I don't, I chafe at any labels like liberal or, or conservative or Republican or Democrat or anything. I'm really engaged in trying to figure out the complexity of like all of this stuff, you know. Because as I, you know, get more involved in trying to actually have a financial future and like save money and pay taxes, I have different concerns than when I had nothing. And I was like waiting tables and playing in rock bands right. and I had a really easy to have some opinions about some stuff <laughs> then that, you know, and that's not to say those weren't valid opinions. I just didn't have the same
1: different opinions.
0: They're different, different priorities. Right, Exactly. <laughs> But it's, it, it's very interesting to me to see, like those guys in Oregon, for instance, they're asking people to mail them stuff. It's federal government, federal postal service.
1: Postal service. Right. right. And on federal or state roads. <laughs> yeah. Too.
0: They're not, they're just, in no way, I mean, they, and that seems to be the breakdown to me is I have I have, I get to talk to a lot of different kinds of people in my line of work and I'm and, and even when I'm Uber driving, I'll have like these conversations with people and someone will present sort of a, a Limbaugh or a, a Trump kind of argument about something, you know, real black and white, you know, real broad. And I'll start trying to break it down and I won't just uh, disagree with them. I'll just say, well, if you look at this, you look at that, they're like, you're a liberal, you know, <laughs> and that it seems to me liberal is anybody that asks you to actually break down your opinion and your stance uh, into like looking at it from a few different sides. Right. Like rigid is conservative, and liberal is um, flexible, you know. And,
1: and, it does, it's and so that's it's, a bad thing. You you enjoy considering, you know, I guess, logic of, of uh, right. So, oh, logic is apparently is liberal.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean to diss anybody, but this you know this has been my experience. Like I, that, I really do try to operate from reason because. I am, you know, I can, I can be as knee jerk as anybody and just like say, okay, I'm on the side of the cool kids, you know, and I don't like the yuppies, you know, and like, that's how I was at VCU. Like, we don't want these guys coming down to twisters or coming to, you know, mess up the mosh pit with, you know, the frat boys and all of that. And got a lot more charitable about that, you know, because people are people, you know, and people are, everybody's got some programming, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And they're <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. They come with sort of their their pre-programmed self, mm-hmm. like what they've been taught and told.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a template. but There's a book right there. I don't know if you can see it. It's called Richmond: The Story of a City. I have that. You have it. Have you read it?
1: But, well, I've read portions of it. Me that.
0: too. Yeah, yeah. read
1: Virginia Dabney, who mm-hmm. was a, uh, I think he was news leader. Yeah. Uh, Times Dispatch mm-hmm. news leader.
0: Writer. Yep. Um,
1: yep. Editor. I think. Or was he, he was, editor? Yeah, I think he was an editor.
0: Th- that book, um, the parts that I've read of it, like the beginning is describing Chaco uh, Bottom. Mm-hmm. And there's a passage written by a German tourist. And this is like 1700s or mm-hmm. 1800s. I don't remember which. It, and and that area is like bro- like Deadwood down there. Like <laughs> inns, like the White Swan and mm-hmm. burden Hand and all of these different inns down there. Mm-hmm. And there are all of these guys coming in off of boats, mm-hmm. spending their money, getting drunk, Whoring and fighting in the streets, and it's like, and he says, These people in Richmond don't seem to want to do anything but dance and drink, and you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, It's like not now. much has changed. <laughs> yeah, <Nothing> has
1: changed. <laughs> um, I have, um well, first of all, I'd recommend, in addition to this book, um, there's a book by a guy named Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free online. You can find it on Google Books. My
0: dad probably has it, actually.
1: <clears throat> Maybe, but Google mm-hmm. Books is, uh, it's why pay? Yeah, yeah. Google Books, and it's called uh, uh, Richmond and Virginia in Bygone Days. Mm-hmm. And it really is about Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a guy who, he's it's really interesting. He he lives during, you know, a certain set period, but he's able to talk with people who are earlier period. Mm -hmm. And the book basically stops at the beginning of the civil war, Mm -hmm. but it goes back to like pre-federal period. Mm -hmm. So he's talking almost as if they're contemporary it'd be like, you know, well, my grandpa tells me that Mm so-and-so, you know, who was, so there's some oral
0: tradition that he can get access to direct. Mm -hmm.
2: So Mm -hmm. he's
1: like, you know, talking to about, um, or my dad tells me,
0: you know,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: whatever. So he's talking about people like John Marshall, who mm-hmm. was such a, a formative figure in Richmond. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, uh, what the heck is his name? Um, with, George Wish, mm-hmm. or With, who, who lived... Um, where his house was um, kind of near uh, Center Stage
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is where the house was. His plaque on the side of the building. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, so he's talking about all these people. He was a
0: lawyer, right? He With? was. Mm-hmm. He, he's uh, buried in St. John's. He he actually. Is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was. Um, he was the lawyer who taught um, Jefferson and Madison and Mason and mm-hmm. um, Marshall too. Um, so it was a, a law. I think he was the first law professor at William and Mary.
0: Wow, there's a story of my dad and a friend of his, uh, Rourke. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but he was a lawyer, and they got drunk at the 2300 Club and decided to jump the fence at St. John's so they could pay homage to uh, With? With's grave, like it was Jim Morrison or somebody like yeah, that. He I guess is to lawyers Jim he is. Yeah, I mean, he really is. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so he's, he was a Quaker, mm-hmm. um, or yeah, I think he yeah he was a Quaker, or his family had Quaker roots. And when you look at Jefferson and and all of those guys a Mm -hmm. lot of their philosophy overlay in their philosophy has a lot to do with Quakerism Hmm. uh, or Society of Friends or whatever yeah but anyway so his book is great and then
0: um, Richmond and Bygone Times Mordecai bygone days days okay
1: Mordecai is his name Mm -hmm. and then I've got on my desk um it's a like full size. I got it printed out at the state library. Mm-hmm. The 18, I guess I call it the 1807 or 1811 map. Mm-hmm. It it's somewhat older than that. That was mm-hmm. the last edit that was done to mm-hmm. it. So it's probably from the 1790s. Somebody at the state library would say that's wrong
2: because
0: uh-huh.
1: the last edit was on that
0: day. Right, right.
1: Or that that year. Uh, it's called Young's map. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one that shows the Negro burial ground or burial ground for Negroes. Um, and is
0: that where Lumpkins jail or around there or is the
1: it? The Lumpkins didn't exist yet. So okay. This, is, this is before that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean,
0: but is it that same contested area that like near the,
1: well, it is, but it's not because Richmond had not developed until probably the 17 or the 1830s into,
0: it was like, a trading post kind of before. Like
1: it, well, it was a cat. It was the capital. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was a trading. It was, it was a, it's a crossroads, mm-hmm. you know. So you've got the the um, uh, James River that comes up, and then we've mm-hmm. started to, to to build a canal system right. to get around the rapids. Going
0: west, the, mm-hmm.
1: and then it's going all the way up into the
0: mountains know, there, way yeah. up
1: into the mountains. So you're bringing it like went all, the, all the way to Lynchburg
0: and, or something, didn't it? Yeah, or, yeah.
1: And it's very early that so what we know today as Tredegar, which was a big iron works, and it was mm-hmm. it supplied the whole Confederacy. Pretty much mm-hmm. like. Seventy percent of anything that the Confederacy shot at anybody else right. was produced at, at Tredegar. and on
0: like Belle Isle and all that, <laughs> and it was right? Like testing munitions, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but um, all of that was developing back in the in the you know the late 1700s, early 1800s, the federal period when this map shows mm-hmm. bird in hand and the Swan, right? The White all swan, of the, uh-huh. yeah. So all of those those uh, pubs are shown. Mm-hmm. Right along with things like, you know, City Church, which was St. John's Church,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, or Henrico Parish Church.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, I think it's on the, and it's also, it's called, on this map, it's called like City Church and Burying Ground, mm-hmm. and then it shows the Negro, or the Burial Ground for Negroes, which is also where the Gallows was, which is also where the right. Magazine was. Right, which was, was. Idea,
0: sort of around 14th Street and Broad, I, I understand, like, but it's totally topographically different.
1: What, now. from where...
0: That's where the gallows was, I understand. Like, it was going up that hill there.
1: It is exactly where the burial ground is. Um, so, Which is
0: down below that, right?
1: Uh, okay, so
0: interesting. Because it's fucked up now because they put 95 through there and, like, dug this out. It was and, a big area. You know, the mm-hmm.
1: burial ground was a pretty sizable area. Right. Um, and part of it was a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, Broad Street ended
2: Right, um, right.
1: Right there at, at a – if you go into the VCU parking garage, you mm-hmm. can see what the topography there probably looked like at that period. Right. You couldn't get an ox cart or whatever it was up Are you talking hill.
0: about like below the, the hospital? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. if you go
1: in the parking deck, you see like the jagged, right. jagged rock in there. Yeah. So that's what's underneath of what was probably, you know, a hillside, but it was mm-hmm. a steep hillside right there. So Broad Street did not continue down and then go up into.
0: Oh, okay. They
1: used Governor Street, which was I think called Cowpath or something uh-huh. like this. Uh huh.
0: And they winded down around to the.
1: Right. So it's the the road that goes behind. Oh, so the it Governor's was almost mansion. like a
0: mountain road, kind of coming down the. We
1: were really interesting. This is what's really cool and fascinating about Richmond and how it's continued to sort of like, well, what are, where's our main street? So yeah. Main yeah. street was a different main street, and it was on a it was this was like a terrorist city mm-hmm. not terrorist terrorist <laughs> so you had broad street was sort of the main drag into town and then you dropped down to main street which was below that main went all the way out to
0: right uh, like route five or
1: w- with that direction but it right. also went to you know Tredegar,
0: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so it went out that way um but broad street basically ended at um where the cliff Happened so it's basically right around where today it's uh, First African Baptist, which is now a VCU building, mm-hmm. um, was basically the end of Broad Street. Um, that's the building, by the way, where the Confederacy, the, v- the Virginia uh, Secession Convention. Happened.
0: Wh- which building is that? It's a, this. Is it's this a big brick church that's right? The there. Monumental Church. No, it's past that.
1: Monumental is where we joined the Union. That's where okay. the the. Uh, convention not in that building it was a church that was or no, excuse me a theater that was there
0: right um, that burned down and yeah mm-hmm. and the, with the and governor it in it again and shit Different,
1: that was that was the, <laughs> the replacement church that burned down and killed that guy
0: this or shit the, fascinates the, theater, the hell out of me. me like it really does the thing like I mean I grew up in Churchill. Like it, my parents bought their house in 1972 and we used to play down there in that train tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had a we had Virginia Not Creeper. Not dangerous at all. Right, it was really sketchy. I mean there was all kinds of shit <laughs> in there. It was almost like a, a weird like kind of hobo camp back up in there. They used, you know, like the under the bridge kind of
2: situation. Was exactly that. I've
0: yeah and we didn't think because we grew up like that so that wasn't like alien to us or sketchy it was just like oh yeah those guys do that over there back up behind uh pose pub which was a ko station Mm -hmm. then you know we we had our little forts and hangouts alongside the places where the bums encamped or like drank bum wine back there probably
1: pretty cool to you
0: no they never even bothered us no sometimes they would loot our little forts you know because we bring dirty magazines out there and sodas and stuff and they'd be gone <laughs> you know but we and we swung on vines down there but gradually i mean i thought you know my dad's a history buff and he's told me a lot of stuff about richmond over the years and i've read a little bit of that book but i keep finding out stuff like the the marshall um the marshall street viaduct mm-hmm. did you know about that that there was a bridge that ran from right over here around where uh alamo is mm-hmm. to across the uh chaco There's valley trolley yeah well, it was a road. It was a yeah. paved road. My mother drove on it when she was pregnant with me to go work at MCV. Interesting. Like so, it, it And it was made out of like the same kind of shit as those train trusses are down there. So
1: here's one for you. So there used to be a jail or a penitentiary or some right. sort that was right below it. Right. And they they had a problem with people dropping stuff They had to put of a net over time. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where the burial ground is. Today, okay. Or that area.
0: Right. That's I mean, it's just amazing. Like all the phases that this place has been through yeah you know and we just we kind of it's kind of lost i mean you can go to the valentine museum but there's there's kind of no continuity of awareness that's that's what's been interesting to me about things that you generally post on facebook or you seem to be kind of connected to that with affection but also interested in like how do we reconcile the past and kind of figure out what the future of richmond is you know
1: yeah it's a difficult difficult thing mm-hmm. um i i I teach journalism at BCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I do with all of my classes at some point during the semester is I do, um, our current mayor gave us a, a great sort of conversation piece with, um, what was this? Like the fifth iteration of a baseball stadium in Chaco bottom.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
1: we're going to build those, you know, this Right. I'm standing on home plate. You know? Right. Um, and, uh, So, of course, there's this huge hue and cry immediately Mm -hmm. during the the announcement. There's a hue and cry over Mm -hmm. it. Um, And, you know, to be quite honest, he cited the thing absolutely wrong.
0: Right. You mean where the site that he wanted to put it on? I mean, he was
1: putting it directly on top of two, three, four, five, possibly six historic sites. Right. And they're underground there. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I've I got to. This is one of the cool things that I got to do years ago when I was a reporter at Styles. I got to walk um, in Lumpkin's jails. Uh, I don't know. It looked like a patio to me, but mm-hmm. I guess it was the backyard courtyard where the you know the inmates might get to go walk around for a little bit. It's just beautiful, frankly, um, and it's cobbled little square mm-hmm. with, a uh, even more beautiful. Looked like it was laid yesterday, brick French drain through the middle of it. Wow. Um, and it was 10 feet down and everything in Chaco bottom's got about 10 feet of fill over mm-hmm. top of it. So, you know, th- and that's the original street grid that's through there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, th- it maps exactly to the map that's on my desk, mm-hmm. the 1807 or whatever they call it. The Young's map. We'll mm-hmm. just call it. Um, And it's, it maps perfectly. Um, and, but it's, you know, the, the modern road surface that you're on is 10 feet above what's below. Right. And if we were to start digging there, we would find the things Mm -hmm. that we know are still down there just the way that we knew probably until we dug and we found out that we did really know. Mm -hmm. Pumpkins is still there. Yeah. You know, so if they go under that Exxon station, minus a couple of big tanks that they put in for gas, um, that's Omahundra's slave jail.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: underneath of, I guess, VDEM uses the parking lot that's uh, supposed to be, I think, center field or, or left field. Um, we know that that was the jail where, um, what's his nose? Uh, From Northam. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No- North, North, Northrop. Yeah. Is that right? Northrup. Yeah. Northrop. Mm-hmm. Solomon Northrop was yeah. briefly. briefly. Um, you know, and there's. Right where I guess it was in the middle of, of uh, um, the, the infield was mm-hmm. a um, Civil War hospital that was like the, the main triage hospital. Mm-hmm. As the train would bring in the injured from the battlefield, mm-hmm. this is where they were lopping off arms and legs right. and things. There's no burial ground there. There definitely is not that. But you know, if you count arms and legs as needing to right. probably get thrown in the scrap heap somewhere, maybe you find a couple arms and legs. Mm-hmm. There, I don't know but um you know we know that there's there's history underground right there um and luckily Shaco by moving shako creek so many stupid times and trying to control shako creek so many times they kept having to pile fill dirt on top of it mm-hmm. and basically preserved all that
0: shako creek would now runs around um into that plain uh to the east of churchill that's Got a cement culvert no, I think around it's it.
1: Gillies. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, Shaco Creek is it's still there. there. It's in, yeah. It runs right behind where Lunkin's, the little memorial area is. Mm-hmm. It runs uh, between uh, the train station and that, but that's not where it originally was. Uh, Shaco on the again the old Youngs map mm-hmm. is right along Seventeenth.
0: Wow.
1: Um, it's just to the side of Seventeenth Street. The, um, so it shows the old market building on Seventeenth. Right. And right next to it, the creeks the creek.
0: running down where the farmers market is, basically
1: on the back side. It actually mm-hmm. ran through what's the old YMCA building, yeah, the, city bar. the railroad Y, the city yeah, bar. yeah. Um, and then they moved it, and then they buried it, and then they have to keep burying and burying and burying to try and stop the flooding. And so mm-hmm. everything is there. So if right. the mayor had said, "Hey, let's put our baseball," so or I guess developers, whoever was involved in that project, and said, "Let's put it on the uh, north side of Broad." where there's no development. And in fact, there hasn't really been very much development ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, since, you know, anything that's over there is from the 1920s mm-hmm. teens. Um, and there's nothing that's, you know, 19th it would bother century, anybody. It would 18th disturb century, yeah. And yeah. certainly not slave history over on that side abroad. So you could have stuck it over there and we might have, you know, a baseball stadium and a Hannah or was it, it was supposed to be a Kroger mm-hmm. going up down in that area already.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, would it be a good thing? I don't know, but so as I talk to my students, though, mm-hmm. I'll go through the whole history of um, you know Richmond and its importance, really nationally, as um, a place where honestly, this is where the Constitution has its foundations, right? Uh, with the General Assembly, um, and the General Assembly here in Richmond basically told um, the delegation that goes up to, to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm that Virginia plan, that's cool. Go ahead yeah. and propose a federal, you know, stepping away from the the, uh, the um, Articles of Confederation. Told them, mm-hmm. go for it. You know? So they go up there and they do that, and then here in Richmond, again, at Monumental Church or at the theater that was there, mm-hmm. uh, Sir Chevalier Cuisine's Academy,
2: <laughs> was what it had been
1: called at one point. Um, it's an old theater. Um, they approved mm-hmm. that uh, constitution which was a huge thing because after virginia which is the most populous state the richest state it's the the brain trust state mm-hmm. after we approved it it makes it okay for everybody else to approve it hmm. so new york and north carolina fall in line after virginia approved it and then virginia the next day i guess is the day after they'd approved it they come back to meet one more time and say and by the way bill of rights and here's a bill of rights, mm-hmm. and they propose it. like 26 items that eventually get boiled down by Madison, who was there
2: mm-hmm.
1: at that convention, right, um, into the 10, or I guess it was 13 originally, and then 10 that were approved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Virginia can lay claim to. I mean, this is Philadelphia was basically the uh, the um, it was a place where you'd go for a business retreat, right? And that's what it was. It was a business mm-hmm. retreat location. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the. the it was sort of center. the
0: commercial capital, kind of right? Or uh,
1: yeah, it was an important. It was city. more
0: New York than New York is now, I think right? New York
1: was also more New York then, too, <laughs> but it was it was central. It was where the you know the continental capital had been. It, um, you know, it, it, I, th- I think it was the capital during that period as well. Mm-hmm. But it really is, it's here that a lot of the ideas come from. Mm-hmm. And they go up there and they do their thing, but then they come back here and they make it all happen. Um, and they think about it here too, you know, and it's in Richmond.
0: So you're telling your journalism students that this is and like it's the all, cradle of... Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and the cradle is really Shaco. It's, mm-hmm. it's Shaco Bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this can be walked within,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: 15 block radius. Right. Um, and then I, I talk about the... the um, slave trade which is all down in that area and there's you know some of the there's a couple of the buildings that are still there but certainly the the area is is really important historically for Mm -hmm. that and it's never um been mined historically so
0: this is a thing that is that i haven't talked about this on here in a long time but go ahead all right okay so
1: so you've got that and then you know, I see, frankly, Gabriel, Gabriel's rebellion, right. uh, uh Gabriel Bingham or Prosser's Gabriel, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call him, as being a really central figure to Richmond because he he does this thing that was pretty amazing for his time. And mm-hmm. it could have been, uh, had it not been for a rain event, you know, this is one of those things that throughout history, battles change, animals mm-hmm. right. Future was a different future, mm-hmm. you know. Rome's future swung on on yeah. other events so weather events, weather
0: and yeah, yeah, yep. right.
1: So that's basically what happened here. Had he been successful, though, what he was trying to do, very likely, could have been a huge success. Mm-hmm. He would have captured James Monroe, the governor of Virginia, who then he was going to force to sign, you know, emancipation. The end of slavery, then emancipation yeah. in eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. That would have happened, or could have happened, and it even without it happening, it changed the course of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you to some extent. You know, Virginia was already shifting away from its agrarian mm-hmm. s- type of slavery yeah. to basically being a Moving slave in, center,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or to again industrial
0: slavery. Right, right.
1: Um, but it also it changed the kinds of laws and and strictures that were on slaves
2: mm-hmm.
1: from you know almost a patrician sort of Roman slavery to something that we recognize as, as institutionalized. And yeah. yeah. Um, so that all happens because of, in a large part, Gabriel's rebellion. Um, it was just so much that kind of hinged on that, yeah, and that yeah. was that was going to be right here. Yeah. Um, so I go through all of this history, and then at the end of it, I'm like, all right. And I've reserved five minutes at the end of class to tell you why all of that is only equally important to the needs and desires of the present and the developers and the landowners mm-hmm. and the. And I go through that, you know. So. Here's who owns the property. Um, this is you know like
0: three guys. Three
1: guys with three guys. <laughs> but they've owned it for a long time and mm-hmm. it's theirs. Yeah you know. And then you can look too around it, um, because there are so many livelihoods that depend on mm-hmm. the success of Shaco Bottom. You know, somebody like Tommy who owns uh uh what do you call it? Um Rosie he's mm-hmm. the Rosie O'Connelly's the car down there. You know, Tommy would do way better if there was more sure going on in Shaco.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, um, so you've got all the small business owners and Mac, uh, right?
0: McCormick's, McCormick's right. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, he'd, he'd stop complaining quite as much. Yeah, that right. Was doing better. <laughs> yeah. You know, so and and none of that can happen without Shaco Bottom's potential being unlocked. And it can't right be unlocked until it gets well so this
0: is the thing okay so the two things I want to touch on is one is I have as much interest and affection without the amount of knowledge, like granular knowledge that you have of all this wow. stuff that's gone on but you kind of know a lot it's really kind of awesome but we one of the reasons it's buried along with everything else is the guilt and shame of the fact that this was this slave trading area and we have yet to be able to really reconcile the two things you know and though we have a road of we have a reconciliation statue in down there
1: okay so this is my theory the problem Mm -hmm. is is that we try only to deal with when when richmond really looks at you know okay we're gonna spotlight on richmond history right the spotlight is always on the civil war right for white folks Mm -hmm. and it's always on now uh rediscovered uh the importance of, of Richmond as a domestic wholesale slave trade mm-hmm. center, um, the domestic wholesale slave trade center right. of the United States. So it's it's sort of the coming home grounds for probably 80% of African Americans in this country can trace mm-hmm. some lineage through Richmond. Right,
0: so that's actually, okay, so we, we tend to look at that from a shameful <laughs> angle, like, Right? right but it's but yeah. it's actually this portal that a lot of people that have gone on to be incredible Americans like gigantic Americans of contribution African Americans you know But that,
1: but try to resolve those two things right. in your head okay so you've got your civil war guys right and you've got your your antebellum slave guys mm-hmm. um and antebellum meaning basically 1830 to right. 1865, mm-hmm. as opposed to antebellum is really... Just everything before slavery, the Civil right. War. Right. Um, but that's the only period that we really think about is hardened slavery for African-Americans and Civil War. And things
0: being really for, ensconced for, in order to protect particular business interests and right. power structure yeah. and stuff like that. Because as you said, it was patrician before that. It was maybe a little more sprawling, kind of like it's a family unit like Monticello or something like that. And then... Gabriel, which,
1: by the way, still gets into icky land. Yeah. Because, you know, but to
0: distinguish it from, OK, we're going to set these things down as codes and laws in order to protect the thing we have going that was slightly disrupted by uh,
1: setting in stone. You can't teach anybody to read or write and these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're only dealing with those two, um, frankly, just both of them are disgraceful periods in history, mm-hmm. then you're never going to you're never going to solve anything and you're always going to be embarrassed of your history to some extent. It's always going to be a little icky, right? But if you add to that history this much longer period that starts with the revolution um, and then, you know, really sort of gets going in Richmond with the federal period where Richmond becomes so important to what the rest of the country ends up shaped like,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. frankly,
1: you know, if you start there and then you look at the revolution and the Civil War really is bookend battles over the right. same thing, right? Over the Constitution, mm-hmm. right? Or over liberty, right? Then all of a sudden, it becomes a much more, frankly, positive tale,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So yes, yeah, so you've got you know, white people their thread, the or the I the guess old the path, white
0: men the thing. the
1: pathway mm-hmm. that they take to liberty is different than the path that that African Americans are forced onto, right? But it's still two paths. Going towards this ultimate, you know, point where the the Constitution gets sort of rectified, mm-hmm. you know, it gets it gets its final fix, the one that that the founders, the people who framed the Constitution, talk about as being mm-hmm. a potential, very likely, um, you know, fatal flaw in it.
0: Yeah, and and an, uh, a paradox and an an irony kind of that we're talking about liberty, but we're we're, we're you know. We we really just mean from colonial rule, and right. and from heritage to some degree. Like you you're not stuck with what you're born into. You don't only get to either be imprisoned by that as a poor person or guaranteed it as a rich person. You have there's sort of an equal playing well, field. But
1: but you, but you know. So like again, going back to with our our buddy with died mm-hmm. here. The is, Jim
0: Morrison of lawyers. The
1: Jim Morrison of lawyers. Um, so it, it, you know he's almost more of like a. Um, <laughs> Like Little Richard, or, or
0: you uh-huh. so or, right, like, or right, right, Elvis, or somebody who really, right, 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 right. Elvis yeah.
1: is too, too uh, derivative. In a also,
0: way. too controversial. Yeah, right. he's
1: like uh, the um, Robert Johnson of lawyers. Okay. So, <laughs> so he, um, he's again, he's Quaker,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, or his family has got this long tradition of. of Quaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a, a seat down at, at Bruton Parish where they pretended he, he attends
2: mm-hmm. or
1: pretends he att- pretend he attended. There we go. I'm trying to get my tenses correct mm-hmm. there, um, but uh, and he was very much. I mean, most everybody, of course, has to be part of Church of England. So he's showing up and he's tithing or whatever mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. king, who's their pope, right? But um, he, you know, his his family tradition is Quakerism, and Quakers don't believe in slavery yeah um yeah i this i've not verified
0: (laughs) but if quakers don't believe in slavery the next thing you're about to say the next
1: thing i'm about to say is um so i've had a couple of people tell me and i've I've got another book talking about richmond here um, and richmond in bygone days Mm -hmm. um there's another great book called the friendly virginians that's about the history of quakers in, Mm -hmm. in virginia um so here's a fun fact for you um, what is the hotbed of Tea Party action going on in Richmond? I don't know. If I'm looking for some red hot Tea yeah, Party you really action want to get it, get... in the Richmond area, <laughs> where do I go?
0: Where do you go? I
1: go to Hanover.
0: Yeah. You know, that's oh, where, that is where you see all the yellow signs.
1: Nothing but miles of yellow signs yep, yep, just taunting mm-hmm. their public. Uh, servants like teachers and, and which is really where
0: patrick was. henry started out argued I mean, his, his first case
1: family it, by the way also has quakerism I and mean, okay. his cousin was dolly madison who mm-hmm. was a quaker mm-hmm. um, she lived she right
0: married to we james were, madison james
1: madison yeah um and there's all kinds of roads out there quaker this quaker that yeah. road right mm-hmm. well that county had a huge tradition of quakerism
0: and it was really important back then like I mean, Hanover County almost ended up being the capital of the state, didn't it?
1: Oh, I don't know. There was a little town called Hanover Town up that way. But that like they, that's,
0: you know. that, that the fact that that the the first thing that um, Patrick Henry argued before he
1: Parsons, yeah, cause. the Parsons
0: cause, right? And that's that was really what made his that made know, his name, name. Yeah, it definitely yeah,
1: made his name. And that
0: was a big place to be. I mean, that was a important area there, and it was the road to D.C. or road up north there. Like D.C. There was wasn't D.C. DC right? This is colonial, right? <laughs> road
1: towards Philly, I guess.
0: right? Going to, right, but but Route One or that's no, that's Chamberlain. Yeah. The,
1: no, r- Route One, you're right. Okay, this is Brook Road, the Brook Road that goes up. Uh,
0: this was the main road up and down the coast. Yeah, yeah,
1: which by the way ended um, right at where we're talking about putting the Maggie Walker statue today. Um, another layer upon a layer of history. The
0: tree that we're yeah, concerned about, right so there, there and yeah, about yeah. The we're... tree
1: that's about fifty years old, and not one hundred and twenty years old, right? But it's really pretty. Yeah, um,
0: it's a nice little square there. It's unique in it's or like... triangle. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be more <laughs> precise, right? <laughs> but so back to Hanover, though. Mm-hmm. So what I have been told is that the entire idea um, of um, freeing your slaves that is central to American Quaker tradition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you cannot own slaves mm-hmm. and still be an attending member of the church. Until you free your slaves, you right. might call yourself a Quaker, but you don't Can't get to come to the meeting house. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that, I have been told, began in Hanover. Hmm. It was a Hanover uh, meeting house that voted um, as, a, as a community to say, no more slaves if you're going to be here we already don't believe in slavery we believe in manumission those Mm -hmm. slaves and a lot of what we do is we'll buy a slave and we'll free them right that was sort of a thing that the quakers were known for during this period well they decided that no not just that you can't own them for yourself even if you're really nice to them Mm -hmm. um unless you free them you're not allowed at meeting house and then as a result of that, other Quaker meeting houses adopted similar things. And it, this, this idea goes national. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it began in Hanover, um, which now is, again, like I said, that's where you go for your hot tea party action. Yeah, yeah. But back then it was a place that… If was, you really
0: want to get worked up about Benghazi and all that good stuff, right. you go party in, in Hanover.
1: Even back then it was very binary. Mm-hmm. You either have it or you don't have it, mm-hmm. um, just in a different direction, I guess.
0: So… You know, it, it, Richmond has had a poll on it for me is like, and, and I think it's just lifting, but like for me and my peers, I think we always were like coming up through VCU is like, as soon as possible, you get out of Richmond oh, hell, and, man. you know, go to New York <sighs> or go to Chicago or something like that. Uh-huh. And. Um, and and there you know we used to talk about the curse you know there's a curse like if you you know if you don't leave from in front of the mosque or if you don't triangulate and then leave you're they gonna you're go. gonna come back you're gonna st- <laughs> and there's you know people always move away to New York for a while and they come back and whatever right and, and I've always like I've thought more about this since I've been back this time because I moved to Minnesota for four years and then okay. came back here yeah what is that Literally that feeling, you know, and it's first the kicking the Indians off and fucking with the Indians and then supposedly turning around and saying no maize will grow here. So it's like ill gotten gain. So we're founded on rip, you know, ripping somebody off and, you know, (laughs) growing a drug, you know, to export all over the world. Yeah. Uh, big drug trade thing, and then and then slavery, you know, really big thing, and it's very diff. Like, and we're not very good and yeah, at.
1: I'll tell you, the tobacco thing is really interesting too, because mm-hmm. so Virginia, again, right down there at Verina, um, is where whatever I forget what the strain of tobacco is called that mm-hmm. Rolf basically smuggled in. Yeah, <laughs> he smuggles this in from Barbados, mm-hmm. I think, or from Bahamas, wherever it was that his boat got. Stuck. For he brought a while. that
0: dank shit in he here, brought is brought it,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings it in, starts planting it, and well, hey, it grows really good here. Mm-hmm, and
2: mm-hmm. now
1: we've made it into the cash crop that's going to keep right. the the Jamestown colony alive and the Virginia Company alive. Mm-hmm. Bam, we're making money. By I've read this, and, and then all this again, shit comes
0: in to support that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and and by like the 1640s, I've read in China, in the middle of nowhere, China you could smoke Virginia tobacco. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So in a, in a matter of 30 years, the turnaround for the Virginia colony, it basically becomes the world's so first cash crop.
0: This connects to what I'm, I'm trying to get at about when we're talking about ballparks and shit like that. And yeah. it is, yeah. So there's a bunch of, yeah, there's a lot of questionable shit that goes to erecting this thing, getting this going, and this all of the cool stuff that came out of here came on the backs of fucked up stuff, you know? or it's inter interlaced with there are it you know things. so it's right it's very difficult <laughs> to celebrate the one thing without seeming like you're celebrating the other you know like saying if you if you want to approve of colonial richmond and and early tobacco richmond and antebellum richmond and and all the roles we've played in founding the country and the set the laws that we have and everything then that also means that you like slavery you know, and, no, well, and that's not, you're not saying that, Yeah, I, but I'm saying that <laughs> and, that's what the Paul is over this. So there's another can, really you know,
1: interesting, so, you know, and let's, let's, let's bounce back to sort of what, um, what's our nickname here, the city of seven hills, right?
0: Yeah. They try to compare it to Rome, to the and, Rome thing, yeah. yeah. Right?
1: Rome is the same it's a lot more sort than seven of, hills. Rome, Rome is the same sort of thing. Talk about stealing. You know? Right. Right. There's a bunch of Greek guys that came and, and founded a city on top of a place where there was already a town and, you know, yeah. That's that's pretty. There rude was a as settlement
0: well. there. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, so you know what I'm saying is that we've got to just stop putting things in different categories and saying this is how all human shit goes down. You know, <laughs> there's stuff yeah. that's you know we don't like, and we've evolved out of it. We've worked it out of our system. You know, it's taking a long time. There's still the remnants of it, but humanity,
1: yeah. all humanity, is way more complicated than we try right. to to make it. So that we're able to understand it. Right. So right. slavery was a black white issue. Right. Well, yeah, sometimes. And then mm-hmm. other times it's a white black issue.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I mean, there's there's a reality to the fact that there were parts of the Italian coastline that were completely abandoned for mm-hmm. long periods, all the way up into the early 1800s, for fear of Moorish um, slave uh-huh. More, raiding parties. Right. Right? I mean, there's a city, I forget what city it is, but it's in Ireland that was literally evacuated onto mm-hmm. ships and taken to Africa and sold mm-hmm. into slavery. Mm-hmm. White slavery is a real thing, mm-hmm. you know?
0: They call it the peculiar institution here because it, it is, was specifically one... And,
1: and here one, it developed right. into something that it was right. a pretty virulent strain of slavery. Because
0: people wanted to... There's no... This cash crop and all of this shit doesn't happen without free labor. You don't want to pay for labor, right? We started and you with don't the have the labor. The Indians couldn't—they
1: ha- couldn't hack it, and they
0: couldn't be around diseases. Europeans with the right. They couldn't do the work, and they, the diseases were killing them. So we'd,
1: we'd wiped out most of them with smallpox and, right. and various other eggs and this, these things that they never sawg. How are you it? I love that word. Because I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it
0: is a u g r e?
1: No, I think. Oh, it's short
0: else. It's for like. Pl- yeah, it's like plague, but without I don't know the plague. It is, but it's. Uh, <laughs> it's aw, egg. Aw. <laughs> it's
1: a sound that the guy makes as he's dying. As he's dying. The Monty dying Python's, right. Uh, holy grail. <laughs> right. But uh, so, um, but no, I mean, it's it's more complicated than anybody sure. ever wants to allow it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 boundaries and borders between people are more complicated. Right. You
0: know? I mean, you can't just drop, you can't drop a lines and say, these are, you know, one kind of person, this is another kind of person. I mean, the the Roman Empire was all, like all of these people from all over the place, and then when it, it fell apart... Africa, it yeah. was Africa, it was... Middle East. Middle East, mm-hmm. it was Europe. And when it fell apart, it you had the remaining cities became nations, like France and Spain and all of that, but those people were all part of the Roman Empire. They all spoke some version of Latin you know and then it as the infrastructure broke down they became isolated and became different cultures unique cultures but this shit's always been morphing and malleable but the, so the thing is i want to come back to is what what really needs to happen you'd like to see you know some, i mean people would like to see some big thing support the economy in Chaco bottom but why not let it just be all the little ants that are building their little Things and just support the organic growth of an economy down there. you know. Instead of like we need a giant attraction, we need a big magnet that everybody gets to make money around. Because that's not how it, I mean, it kind of happened that way because of the tobacco trade, but this city grew up organically. It's not like a, a government got together and said, let's put a thing here that everybody will want Actually, to.
1: Actually, it's exactly like that. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's William Byrd.
0: Oh, well, that's true. William yes, Bird I guess he,
1: exactly he laid that. out
0: Richmond and yeah. he said, this a he city said, here. I will put yeah. a city here and I'm going to yeah. put one
1: down in, in uh, Petersburg.
0: And he named these streets that were still like, Gray Street was just G Street. Cary Street was C Street. Right,
1: that might be true. I it is. It's, I'd have to look at the on map. It's an earlier.
0: It's in yeah. that book right there, the Richmond book.
1: I've I've never correlated well. The map that I've got is the one that shows It was just A tree. B
0: C D. Like Bird was originally just B Streets Carey Street was oh, yeah. C Street. Oh
1: yeah, the number streets are they started out what they are. Mm-hmm. So 17th.
0: Eighteenth, I think actually that was show. first. Fourteenth was was first when he first did it.
1: I oh well, I don't know about on the, <laughs> maybe on his original layout. Yeah, yeah. But by eighteen hundred, when he
0: it, drew up the parcels and started yeah. selling them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So birds, I forget what they call that, but yeah, his little his little auction that he did mm-hmm. for land, I, possibly. But he he did he. Literally You're right. He did did mastermind it. That this. Is yeah. gonna happen. <laughs> so it's not true. And we're going to call
0: it Richmond because and, it looks like the Richmond's. You know England from the the view from the Thames. And... Okay,
1: so here we go back to your your original point. Though mm-hmm. I would argue this is yeah things do happen organically, um, but oftentimes there can be a catalyst to make something happen. Um, so right now, the so ca- what do you
0: think? Okay, well the
1: catalyst is Chaco Bottom right now. It's the, what we want to be the catalyst, yeah. right? But what
0: has it been? You've been here long enough to to see how much things. Oh, it's VCU is mm-hmm. the catalyst. Is it's brought a shitload of people into this town who have stayed, who have. All right, w- I'm
1: gonna take I'll take two unpopular stands. Okay. okay. So right now, Richmond's resurgence can be blamed on or credited to VCU and Trani,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who was the biggest developer that Richmond ever saw
2: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: since you know probably since we emerged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, He basically turned around Broad Street, a huge swath of Broad Street. Um, And then the other one that I would credit is Jim Ucrop. Mm -hmm. So the Ucrop family bought a bunch of Broad Street that's Mm -hmm. kind of below VCU, the east of VCU. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't have to rent for fairly cheap to art galleries or, you Mm -hmm. know, to marginal businesses that are... You know, gentrifying businesses that then led to what you see now. And now, you know, it's almost sort of the culminating moment with the opening of that Quirk Hotel, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which, by the way, if 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 you've lived in New York for a while, Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever been to any of the the weird little art hotels.
0: Like the Paramount?
1: Or uh, the new hotel, Mm -hmm. U Hotel, or there's a bunch of like themed hotels up there goth hotel Mm -hmm. art Mm -hmm. hotel whatever i stayed in one that played nothing but stone roses which
0: was Ah, awesome mm. um
1: it's
0: the manchester (laughs) hotel (laughs) yeah madchester so
1: (laughs) so it was you know that's basically our first one of those you know this is the you know the we want to like to compare ourselves to brooklyn um, or now i guess portland or whatever we're trying to compare ourselves to Yeah. Well, or other is,
0: people compare us to portland of the east coast right or, or the, right
1: or the brooklyn in terms of you know some of the spaces that we've got that
0: people mm-hmm. can open businesses mm-hmm. in that are cool and lofty and whatever. which they're allowing now but when i when i was a kid in this neighborhood everything was zoned residential, residential and you couldn't right. do any of that shit and even though it was originally mm-hmm. zoned to be mixed use and so all up that.
1: here i would blame um, and when I say blame, I mean, you know, that's how people look at credit. Education, credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really depends on how you look at it. Right. Is uh, both the movement to fix up these old houses up mm-hmm. here, but then also this movement that is um, sort of around chat and around the um, old Robinson Theater that's now the church that happens there. Right. Um, and that's a, a really interesting. We do a
0: bunch um, of stuff over religious there. Religious
1: movement mm-hmm. that is it's Presbyterian, I think, at its mm-hmm. heart. But then it's partnering with um, historically black churches, it's based on um, some philosophy or theory that some guy put down in a book that he'd done in some other city where, you know, it's this intentional gentrification that preserves um, so it's like loving gentrification sort of approach. Yeah.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning, we, we have to have, if you, you got to have the the tax base for the infrastructure in the city, right. it, it can't, this can't be in a city of poor people supported by the federal government. It's, it's not cooler when know? there's
1: cool, poor people right. who are making art or whatever, but right. you know, those people also would like to retire eventually. Right? And
0: they, so there's a lot of people have kind of come up with John Bryan was talking about that. There's a. I forget what it's called, but it's this building of uh, like loft spaces that are you can artists can live in, and then no, also artists
1: live
3: in workspace.
0: Yeah, and yet also the moneyed gentrifiers live alongside them, so they get the the blush or the shine of being around that you know like the Soho thing. Right, and the two things pollinate each other instead of one thing being driven out because the other. You get to preserve the artists really in the natural habitat. Really difficult to maintain that over
1: time because eventually the guy who built the building is going well wait a minute i want so, money
0: for every one yeah. of these units <laughs> right
1: I'm, I'm, I'm subsidizing 10 of these for artists who occasionally pay me right oh hell no i'm i'm gonna get
3: all well
0: the, the, the thing is is that everybody recognizes that the real estate becomes more valuable because of that element and then it loses value when it's all the rich starts being all rich people at some point
1: unfortunately it doesn't lose value it eventually will right but it you know that's what Suburban, it, I sprawl guess it, is. it doesn't
0: lose value, it just loses relevance loses, or cachet yeah. or whatever. But loses so,
1: it's cool for sure. The mojo goes away.
0: I, I agree with you about VCU, except that what I think one of the things that's happened is that there are all of these people that have come into this city that don't have any preconceived notions about the city at all that you don't live in this neighborhood, you don't go over here, you don't do this, you don't do that. They're buying houses in parts of Churchill that I was afraid to walk into when I was a kid. and I wasn't allowed to walk into it. We couldn't go north of Marshall when I grew up. Um, And they're just like blithely like, hey, this is perfectly good, this and that. And we don't know about
3: how all the white people moved
0: out to the West End and we're not cool with the yuppies and they're just like we don't those battle lines don't exist for them they're all just people have come from northern virginia come from other places
1: so what's cool these days seems to be that like so i started my my journalism career started up in hanover at the herald progress mm-hmm. and uh um we fought this perpetual battle for readers
2: mm-hmm.
1: um where we and the editor j pace was the owner editor of the paper and he did all sorts of kind of market research trying to build his his penetration into Atlee,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, heading into mechanics. School, right. Basically. Mm-hmm. And what he kept finding with the people who lived in Atley that, you know, they're living in their half million dollar houses or $300,000 houses, which was equivalent. Right. To
0: 1996.
1: Right. Um, so they're all moving into these, these houses. They think that they live, I swear to God, cause I talked to a lot of these mm-hmm. people too. They thought they lived in a suburb of DC. <laughs> and they were commuting that direction. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, that's so what Fredericksburg a, is now, right? Right, but yeah. there was
1: a whole ton of people living in Attlee, all the way right. down here, where you know, yeah, Fredericksburg is mm-hmm. a suburb. No, that was already right. ten minutes
0: outside of Richmond. Ninety-eight right.
1: was a suburb of DC. Those mm-hmm. people were not looking. They didn't to want the any site. part of
0: Hanover or, or Ashland or, or Richmond. Right, they couldn't have cared right.
1: less really about Richmond. They'd come mm-hmm. down to to West End to buy crap, and mm-hmm. then they go back to Attlee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and or Glen to DC. Mm and what's really interesting, and again, they couldn't have cared less where they were. They mm-hmm. weren't looking at where they was. Is it vinyl? Is
0: right. it big? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Does it have cathedral ceilings? Mm-hmm. I'm in.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll figure out if we can afford furniture later. Right. You know, it's the same thing down here. They're going, is it old? Is it awesome? Does it feel urban? I'm moving in. I don't care. Right.
0: Right, um, right.
1: But they're here for Richmond. Is mm-hmm. the the difference? They're coming yeah. here because this is now a destination city, and that's really cool. Yeah, and
0: there's a lot of organic business that's made that happen. You know, mm-hmm. like Kendra's restaurants and Ed Visayo's restaurants and uh, Jason Alley, and you know, all of these people. They've, they've created a you know one little place at a time. Right. You know, so that this is comfort. And culture. And, you know, and, uh, this culture has, has and been Roosevelt allowed to.
1: And, and, uh... Mama Zoo's which has mm-hmm. been there for a million years right. um, yeah I mean lots are,
0: of other people too that I you know am going to list all of them but sure and then the coffee shops and the you know the micro brews and all of these things were just
1: these are all little
0: important. businesses yeah. you know but doing they, their own
1: they, they also follow though they follow mm-hmm. so the restaurants have led but then mm-hmm. some of the other things like the microbreweries and the coffee shops and these other things have followed and have found market need mm-hmm. um, with some of the other businesses that are coming in here and their technology support businesses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of little tech startups here and a lot of them have ended up here because they were people who came to work for Capital One um, or fe- for the Federal Reserve, so mm. these are technology folks who right. then decide, "I'm going to go out on my own, start my own little company." So it's you're like, cheap
0: to start little, here. Yeah, so you're lots of you're incentives,
1: Mobiluxes and your mm-hmm. Corgi Bites, and your um, uh, what is it, uh, Unboxed, and these mm-hmm. companies that are here. You know, there's a reason why Foursquare launched here, mm-hmm. and why Tumblr has an office here.
0: That's right. There's a few. (laughs) It's a
1: pretty cool place. Mm -hmm. And that's the money that's driving. And
0: and there's also a kind of a like, at some point, why the fuck not Richmond when it's on 95? It's in between New York, D.C. and Atlanta or New York and Atlanta. It's it's smack dab in the middle of the East Coast and it's cheap. And, And all of these other places are overflowing and expensive and like it's almost by default like we just have like a, our time has just gotta come because we were unused yeah. you know and we've still got all the old you know the city infrastructure stuff and you know it's all set it's up already a pretty good so, city yeah
1: with some really good bones
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah we're the, good bones we're basically good, right? the
1: last city on the 95 corridor before this long gap yep that takes you down towards savannah and whatever else. those
0: carolinas yeah, just vacation land yeah, that's crap yeah <laughs> Which used to be ours, actually. Virginia That's went all the fuck the way to Georgia, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: I think it did sure. originally, the original Virginia colony, or Virginia land claimed I think, I think as it named. Went all the way right. to,
1: to Boston too, because those suckers were off.
0: When the off English got the here, they Boston said, "This they is land. ours. All this all this shit's ours." You know, we we it's, claim it in the name of the so Virgin Queen, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. yeah, but the Dutch had other ideas up yes, there, and the. Spanish had other ideas down there, Florida. So we've covered a lot of good history stuff. Your history, you just mentioned your journalism career began in the Ashland, the Hanover-Ashland area. Yeah,
1: Herald Progress. Where did,
0: you come, where did it begin before that, though? Where did you go to school? Did you go to VCU? I went to VCU, yeah.
1: yeah. I came up here on accident, was a um, political science major. Basically, I was a bum in high mm-hmm. school, and... I had a friend of mine who was up here going to VCU, and he dragged me out of, of Thomas Nelson Community College. Mm-hmm. So you need to move up here. Or you're going to be my roommate. Mm-hmm. So I moved up here. And I was what gonna, year is this? This is uh, like '93, two somewhere. Is that when you
0: started college? Yeah. Anything? So he, he's so you're a little younger than me.
1: Yeah. So how am I going to start college? You know, if I, I was down there going to community, I don't want to go to J Sarge or anything. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you can take classes at VCU. No, I can't. I didn't get into VCU. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, or actually little it's did a I find hole. out, is you could take three classes.
0: If um, you did well in them, then you could yeah, actually you get, in. get in. Yeah.
1: So that's what I did. And then I got into VCU, and I started out a poli-sci major um, and did that for a while and was writing a lot of these long papers, doing really well mm-hmm. in poli-sci. Um, uh, Dr. Holsworth, who I think likes to run from me now since my reporting career,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, Bob Holdsworth, um, he really liked me when I was a student. I was mm-hmm. one of his little star students, and uh, so at some point I got tired of writing these big long papers, and I switched to journalism mm-hmm. because I also used to love Fletch novels. So I figured it must be just uh, yeah Fletch, right,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, so is that what was it that got you? Fletch is one of the things that got you interested in, in just being enough, a reporter. Yeah,
1: yeah. there's nothing right, wrong with that. It's, no, it's kind of an embarrassing way to begin your journalism <laughs> career as well. I like Fletch novels. But, yeah, I mean, honestly,
2: mm-hmm. he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, you know, it's sort of like a kid that wanted to be an archaeologist because... They, Indiana they, Jones. Well, yeah, I saw Indiana Jones a bunch yeah. of times. I don't think
0: there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, and then I started the Herald Progress after I graduated.
0: And then you went on to style uh, from there? You know, or
1: I left the Herald Progress and went to the Times-Dispatch, and I was at the Times-Dispatch for about four years, and then I left there to go to Henrico County because I got offered... A wonderful terrible job and I mm-hmm. quit there after um let me get this right so my editor my former editor Jay Pace had told me you won't make it nine months or eight months no, I said eight months you won't make it eight months
3: mm-hmm.
1: um I did make it eight months and I made it nine months um he died after seven months um so I didn't get to go and gloat that I made it <laughs> nine months but he guaranteed me, he said, you got the fire in the belly, you're going to be back in journalism. So I, I was, I mm-hmm. left um, Henrico and went, we moved to Florida um, and I was at the Daytona Beach News Journal for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, my wife is really, really pale mm-hmm. and Florida is no good. No good. Yeah. She, she was getting burned walking from the car to the grocery mm-hmm. resource. So we moved back here. Um, I started working at style after doing a little bit of freelance. Um, I think I, I may be the first, uh, local reporter who, um, had stuff published at the same time, same week in both the times dispatch and style weekly. This used to be a, like a, you know, Oh, I think never, bulpsed, the, never maybe. the twain's do well, now it's the, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, it happens a lot now, but I, you I were the first, the, yeah, you I broke the, you broke the ground. Broke I see. I was trying to remember this. <laughs> I got to
1: brag about something. Yeah. That's, That's the no, only that. thing I got.
0: There was a time, <laughs> I, and I'm not sure this was you, but I wrote for Punchline for a little while. and I, was I like, never I did. worked for Punchline. No, I know that. that I had. But I think you were at Style then when Punchline was. No. No? No. Okay.
1: I would have loved to have been at Punchline instead of Style then. Uh, but
0: you weren't in Richmond at all?
1: I, uh, I was at the Times Dispatch.
0: Okay. But I remember. Were you writing for Style in the mid 2000s, like 05, 06?
1: I started there in
0: 06. 06. I think you and I had a conversation on the phone because I objected to something that you wrote, and I can't even remember what it is in Style <laughs> about a band. I think it was like a local band. It was something dumb. And I wrote an email in, and then I ended up on the phone with you and somebody else there, and you guys were taking my. I don't know if you were having a laugh at it or. Or what, we were taking I this I was... it pretty
1: seriously, but I don't recall writing about very many bands when I was at Style. I, I don't was
0: know what fan it fan. Was. I was. I had some problem with something that you, I think it was you, and we ended up talking on the phone. I was working at Big River uh, advertising at the time, but I was like the receptionist, uh, assistant to the president. I didn't have any. Important role there, but I just read something that that bugged me, a and bunch. I wrote a, an email, and then we ended up being on the phone for a while. I, I think like and you don't have any record. I don't even. I I'd don't. Have to, but I,
1: I mean, I, I always took those kinds of calls seriously. Yeah, I always talk to people if they've got a problem or an issue. I like to hear what they have to say. So
0: I was really surprised possible. at how much, yeah, that and and I felt like there was somebody else, another editor that was that was on. We had like a conference call going. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, that seems weird though that that would have happened because if it was just somebody objecting to the way a band was portrayed that wouldn't
0: just been... i don't think it was a band actually it was something about richmond though that i i really disagreed with i think it was, it was the way something was characterized i i can't remember and then you can, you don't, don't remember really... so it's hardly a point of bringing it up but
1: but right. i remember
0: your name from back then though i remember seeing your name and style at at that time.
1: I did a lot of reporting around Wilder's administration and around schools and mm-hmm. ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, mm-hmm. compliance with the city and with schools. Um, beat up Doug quite a lot because of... the Doug
0: Wilder? Yeah, so mm-hmm. the
1: connection between Battery Park, um, after which, which of the stores was that Gaston? That was mm-hmm. Gaston. Um, and FEMA money and mm-hmm. potentially some... Uh, questionable expenditures around the moving of the school board offices out of city hall for about 10 seconds before a judge moved in and blah 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 stop that
0: etc. you've been a very a serious journalist in this town for a while like really taking on like the real journalism Who was it that said that journalism is printing stuff that people don't want printed and everything else is entertainment or fiction or something like that i
1: guess yeah
0: sure. i just read that quote the other day <laughs> we really take taking on people in a small town that are very powerful so like the yeah.
1: comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. That, that's what i've always tried to do
0: yeah. what what motivated you to do that you think and i think it's i guess it's a thread that's continuing through your involvement in, like you know being of service in this way like not just um
1: so I've always looked at it this way, and I think it was probably because of really good journalism professors that I had at VCU. Uh, Wilma Wirt and uh, George Crutchfield were mm-hmm. sort of the, the mentors that, that sort of saw me through there. And then Jay Pace, mm-hmm. um, the editor at the Herald Progress. Um, you know, they all believed in service. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if any of them ever said this to me, but I took it to mean this and sort of interpreted it this way, that really a reporter, a journalist, um, somebody who's in community journalism,
2: mm-hmm. and in
1: fact, anybody who's a journalist who's doing s- reporting on their community, whether mm-hmm. it's New York City or Washington, D.C. is national, they're really a community journalist mm-hmm. writing for a person. Right. And it's all the same sort of, you know, it's micro-macro, mm-hmm. but it, it's all the it's same The same motivation and the same... Yeah. Role. So Mm -hmm. a reporter, though, really is a it's a service job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not volunteer, but it's almost sort of a a, a, god. That's the wrong way to put it. Priesthood kind of thing. Well,
0: the fourth estate thing, right? Like like this is an
1: ambulance driver Mm -hmm. or a police officer or a fireman. Mm -hmm. They we'd never get that kind of credit because we're annoying. Right. Right. But, we're, but you
0: do get the, that's what that term mean implies the fourth estate right that it's a part it's almost a unrecognized yet integral part of the checks and balances of
1: the only job that is mentioned in the Constitution.
0: So wow. So
1: first First Amendment mm-hmm. freedom of
0: speech the and, press and religion and the press yeah um, most powerful thing then for uh, the disseminating information. Because um, there wasn't internet and there wasn't all these other things, television, radio, all right. of that. It was the press. But that that notion of the fourth estate is it's beholden or it has on it almost like a Hippocratic kind of uh, yeah, yeah, to tell the truth and uh, and to you know, it's not. I mean, the what it's morphed into or devolved into is is like the muckraking shit. But
1: okay, it, wait a minute. Wait, 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 Let's back up. <laughs> so there's a difference between muckraking and yellow journalism, right. too. So yellow journalism is journalism that is, is for the purpose of starting the Spanish-American War, right? Right. Muckraking is what brought down Standard Oil. Okay. Um, muckraking is what led to, um, or helped to lead to reforms in
0: of mono- breaking up monopolies. Well, not just that, and, right, but like China- you know,
1: so so the union um and and um labor laws mm-hmm. that that protect children and uh, weekends and things like this you know that's muckraking so
0: unpack problems. muckraking raking for me cuz i have just thrown it all together as uh of, you know questionable forms of of journalism okay, that so have now
1: i'm you're, i can't but names like lincoln Steffens mm-hmm. and uh and whoever the hell it was was the woman muckraking is digging
0: into the muck that it that somebody it's like a carnegie journalism. would try okay it's investigative yeah, journalism that's Some, right Raging. right
1: investigative journalists are long-form research-based journalists who try right. to get to the, the you know the bottom of it mm-hmm. they're not literally the bottom mm-hmm. of it right, right. That's where the right where
0: is. the muck is right
1: um, and then present that for the the public so that they can understand. It. If you ever read, um, I feel terrible because I can't remember her name, but it's, it's I think the book is called The History of Standard Oil,
2: mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. and it's a book that was written by a muckraker journalist, a mm-hmm. woman, by the mm-hmm. way. She's one of the she really is the most famous muckraker journalist whose name I can't remember right now. <laughs> um,
0: you can Google, you can look it up on your I've phone. I've got
1: even. the book on my phone. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so um, So. You know, she she also wrote, and this is this is the days of like Harper's and you know these big magazines that Mm -hmm. um, um, McCall's and things like this that start as as muckraking long form instruments, Mm -hmm. Um, and they would give their reporters like here's your assignment for the next two years you're going to be working on this Mm -hmm. and then you're going to publish it as a series Mm -hmm. on whatever it is. So Lincoln Steffen's big claim to fame was writing about um, corruption in government and in cities and finding like the common thread that mm-hmm. leads to corruption in Chicago, mm-hmm. leads to corruption in
0: New in York, New York and, leads
1: to corruption wherever it is. He was really close, for instance, to Teddy Roosevelt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who, again, had a crusading side to him mm-hmm. when he was um, the, uh, what do you call it, the police commissioner mm-hmm. in New York. And so he was using the muckraker journalists like Lincoln Steffens as an instrument for him to mm-hmm. uncover things that are going on mm-hmm. within the police department mm-hmm. to reform it. Yeah. Um, and so that's muckraking journalism.
0: So I, what I, I guess I meant to say is that there um, journalism in its, in its ideal form exists as a thing to tell the stories that we, that the public should know that is like, if they're supporting this thing, if they're allowing this business to exist, if they're so, you know pay, using this service, all this kind of stuff, they should know. If they're
1: interested in it, mm-hmm. they should know the, the all the parts of it. Right. So, you know, the history of Standard Oil is not one that goes in and says everything they did was wrong. Right. It's here's how this company happened. Here's... How they went into small towns, and we don't, there was and then people can industry.
0: decide if they like that or not, and right. if something needs to change, yeah. There
1: again, going back to the lesson that I uh, lecture that I give on Shaco Bottom, mm-hmm. you know, here is an hour long lecture on how um, important Chaco how Bottom is, there is to yeah. history. Now here's five minutes of why it's. You know, all of that is why
0: it might be an economic project for the right. mayor to put in his resume. At the end yeah. of
1: that class, I have never had a group of students who all go, uh, We're still for the history side. In fact, most of the ones who show up say, uh, No baseball in Chaco Bottom, they couldn't care less so still about baseball in Chaco Bottom, but they're mm-hmm. going, I don't know who the good guy and the bad guy is anymore. Right. Because Mayor Dwight Jones, as much as people like to beat up on him, he's been pretty good for yeah. the city in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, and he's been pretty bad for the city mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Oh wait, that's all politicians, right? Right.
0: And this particular pet project is very short sighted, but he's done a lot of other cool stuff. Like, I mean, he's supported the arts, arts projects in this town, and
1: he helped to uh, um, really rescue First Friday when
2: mm-hmm.
1: his the beginning of his term. The police department was running around Broad Street. They saw that as easy pickings with the, the caps program. Mm. They were going in and finding all those businesses. There's a big. Con- I wrote about it. Mm-hmm. There's a big controversy um, over um, them. You know, going in and trying to shut down places like mm-hmm. Court Gallery or, or mm-hmm. Gallery Five or ADA, or ADA mm-hmm. and all those galleries because their bathrooms were not right. big enough, not to, up to code, oh, Right. yeah. And you know, nearly I, I followed. I went on a ride along with the, the, these guys and mm-hmm. went to I forget which funeral home it is, but it's a funeral home up in Northside. It's a historically black funeral home. And one of the daughters, who you know, is part of the funeral home business, had a little ballet studio up above um, part of the funeral. It's not where I'd go for ballet, but mm-hmm. she was a wonderful person. And they're there basically hitting her with all kinds of really dumb fines for things like. Well, the city allowed that gas main and meter mm-hmm. to be right there and didn't right. make them put the, right. the little stops in front of it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find them for it, and it's nickel and dime. And then, and then you got to put. Diamond. Then
0: it's twenty, thirty thousand dollars to move the thing. Right. Yeah. And
1: and so hitting them with all these kinds of things. And the original purpose of caps was to go after crack houses. Right. You know, and find the the absentee landlord right. for high grass and. Right. paint, whatever else it's it is.
0: like the uh, broken window kind of thing. Right. right, except
1: they were going after not broken windows right. because they could get better and more consistent fines and fees right. out of those business owners. And so Dwight really did kind of step in. And and that that is save. a
0: significant change, too, if you want to throw that in with your, your VCU and uh, the U-Crops, is, is looking at the spirit of a law and a regulation and not the letter of it, because my experience as city of Richmond prior to like a, to Dwight Jones was everybody said no all the time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's like, and and we're gonna collect. We want people to come downtown, but we're gonna f- write them a ticket. We're gonna make we're tolls. As hard as we're gonna, can like, <laughs> yep. And know. That's
1: somewhat changed too, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's really loosened. You already. could not open. There was a guy before the Roosevelt that tried to open a Mexican restaurant and finally did open a Mexican. That, yeah. You remember that? And it was like <laughs> I gotta have this much parking. I've gotta have this. The street lights gotta be this far away from the building. Like all this ridiculous shit. He had to jump through a city hall, and it just it took years and years and years. And by the time he opened it, he didn't even have enough money to have a real stove mm, in there. I'm done. You know? And he yeah. He farts right. right. And now <sighs> you you can you can you open dutching company and then boom you got stroops up the street and like nope they're not they're going yeah this actually is good like we have to relax these things and understand the spirit of why these things exist rather than just like mindlessly enfor- enforcing and that started you know?
2: under wilder too yeah. so again oh, you did. know okay. wilder is good
1: and there's bad with any politician right and here you know the, richmond is again in this midst of this kind of transition we mm-hmm. don't see it because we're living in it right but this transition from the form of government we had before to what is our current form of government? It's a mayoral right, at-large at elected mayor. Right, is it a strong mayor. It used
0: to be used city council appointed the mayor, mayor out of its ranks, out right? Of its ranks. Yeah, right. yeah. So a city, a council member became mayor, and he was just kind of like.
1: He was like the hangout man. He was like right. the, the president of Italy. Ceremonial. Have you ever heard of that guy? No, role. but right. know, the prime minister of Italy. He's the one who right. has all the power. Right. Well, he's basically like a county administrator, city administrator. Mm-hmm. Or we remember we had Calvin Jameson. Calvin mm-hmm. was the most popular dude.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because he was the day- city manager. Is that what he was? Yeah, He was yeah. city manager. Mm-hmm. And then the the change in government form and structure to where the mayor now appoints that person. and They work directly for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's big upheaval. We yeah. S- still try to figure out what that looks like.
0: Yeah. And there's been some scandal around that, right? There's
1: been plenty of.
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot of, lot to uh, talk about in the way that Richmond has traditionally done things and how it's transitioning and some of that tradition coming from old boy network stuff that changed hands and they just, Perpetuating so boy cronyism.
2: Boy yeah. It's well, <laughs> call
1: it what it is. Yeah. both old boy
0: networks. Yeah, yeah.
1: We don't like the- It's a
0: white old boy network. A black old boy network. It's right. coming out of the churches. Um, now these churches around here are as much of a political force in this town than
1: very much. so. You know. Yeah. And not all of them are. Not all mm-hmm. are created equal in terms right. of of their political desire to be political.
0: I feel like we need more separation of church and state when it comes to having so many clergy people wind up in city council and, you know, over the years. And as mayor, yeah. Leonidas, right? Wasn't he one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dolores, I think was
1: one. Isn't she? Reverend McQuinn.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reverend, I think, means something. And that's, well, it is an interesting, you know, uh, conflict of interest, I feel like. or, Or there's a lot there's been a lot of stumping. Do you know know. who
1: August moon is
0: No. What
1: August moon is like a long time sort of Paul. I'll call him. That's a a term that, that a lot of like kind of in the trenches political guys like to use, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and he is, he's, um, South side, um, now, um, big in Manchester. areas, owns a building over there. All kinds of little party favors come to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he grew up i think in jackson ward and was like he was in the 60s he was a soul singer um i'm trying to remember what his name was mr wiggles Mm -hmm. i've got a couple of his records Uh they're freaking awesome yeah yeah um and then he was like a pimp and a drug dealer and all kinds of you know um nefarious things Mm -hmm. went to jail blah, blah blah so for a while i was he he wanted um just I think expecting to die, he wanted a reporter just to hang out with him for us. Mm-hmm. So I did like this long, it was like months of just hanging out with August moon and interviewing mm-hmm. him and just letting him talk. Hey, anyway, he talked about all kinds of crazy, interesting stuff, mm-hmm. you know, how payday lenders are basically, um, institutionalized, uh, um, what do you call them? Loan sharks.
0: Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. took
1: the business away from
0: the loan sharks. The, the
1: local guy, the the black business owner, the mm-hmm. loan shark, and handed over it to the white guy this it's a institutionalized chain. Mm-hmm. chain mm-hmm. Was doing the same thing. In fact, the loan shark had a little bit more of an ethical approach. Right,
0: to he cared, it. He cared a little more about the community. Knees, but right. yeah, but
1: you got to sit next to him in your wheelchair in
0: church, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so- <laughs>
1: Meanwhile, the guy from, you know, cash checked here. Right. He couldn't care less about it. Right. He's out right. of Washington. Right. You know, so, or Delaware more likely because it's a good place to incorporate. Right. But anyway, so August, um, and this was before Dwight was elected. August today will tell you oh, I, supported, I, I supported Dwight from the beginning. That's a lie.
3: Mm-hmm. It's an absolute
1: mm-hmm. lie. He did not support Dwight. I don't remember who he was supporting. I think he was, uh, he, he probably had, had thrown in with Wilder. And so was, was backing, um, Robert Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, we stand, I remember where we were, he's sitting cause he's in a wheelchair and I'm standing outside of his business over there on Hull street, um, radio station or whatever it is. I don't even know what he does in there. But, uh, and he says to me that basically that, you know, you can't serve two masters,
2: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you
1: can't be a clergyman and be a, uh, government official right, and expect not to be pulled by God and by the devil.
0: And when you're in your church trying to, you know, do that and not to be worried, you know, your career talking about the things that are going to impact you being elected, impact your job, impact you maybe being able, you know, to
1: politics is temptation Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. church is all about show
0: business for ugly people.
1: Yeah, (laughs) too that too.
0: Well, it's interesting. We use the term reform and you talk about like um, Theodore Roosevelt reforming and all that. But it seems like we're never reforming. We're really, really trying to form the thing that our ideals said should exist, but really isn't the thing that existed. It's always been like since the very beginning. Sort
1: of like the Tea Party trying to get us back to the 1950s when everything was pretty and shiny.
0: Right. That was a time when we really first introduced making everything look shiny while awful shit was going on. Right, we totally just cool. have advertising and we have the veneer and everybody just buys into the McCarthy you know, thing, the post-war. The but
1: there's a reason post-war. why we tear that 1940s and 50s wood paneling out of
0: everything that we mm-hmm. see now, right? Because yeah. it sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's all bullshit. It's smoke and mirrors. you know. And it was probably that when the private... Uh, culture, you know, advertising really merged with the marketing of politics, and and we did have pro- propaganda. We had like, you know, um, I, this is everybody a normal American looks like this. It might as well be the fucking posters Hitler was putting up or the Russians were putting up. You but know, they, they were
1: good posters, not bad guy posters.
0: That's... Right, but they, they they had their idealized <laughs> model citizens. You know, there was a totalitarian element to this, but it was a, seemed like it involved choice. But you could only get your choices from a couple of apertures. Yeah,
3: sure. You know, there was, there was limited so, choice, but there was choice,
0: right? Like three television networks, and you know, some newspapers and some radio stations, and they all they had a huge influence on the government, and you know, so they were really they're really controlling what everybody thought of as an American, right. you know, a, a you know, a consumer,
1: and they, and, to some extent, were in collusion with what you know politicians wanted to see mm-hmm. because there was a. Yeah, I mean that's a, a whole different area. We could go on for yeah. another hour.
0: So let's. Where are you going with this? I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I'm not going. You know, this is all <laughs> stuff that's uh, occurring, and I haven't used somebody who is has seems to have as much affection for Richmond as I do, and as much of a desire to reform it. You know, or form you know, it. it's, form it's Still it. forming. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've seen you holding a musical instrument. I think in pictures on Facebook. I play bass.
1: Um, I play bass badly when I'm needed, uh-huh. um, and I play guitar even worse. Yeah. When I'm not needed, <laughs> and I play harmonica pretty well.
0: Have you been in bands yeah. around here? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I um, the band that I left in high school came up here and got pretty popular as a band with a terrible name called the Jolly Mortals. It was I remember that. Popular.
0: Who else? It was, it was John Jason?
1: Sport and... Uh, Jason Hot? He- no. No. Um, David DiDiotto. Yeah. And uh, who else was in, in that band? Um, uh, Sean Sutphin.
0: Was Tony uh, Brown?
1: Tony Brown, I think, played for them for a while. Okay. That was after and I And
0: Sean was Sutphin. There. Yeah, all right. You were in the Jolly Mortals. Mm, okay. I was,
1: I was the founder of the Jolly Mortals ah. at Bruton High School in Williamsburg, Virginia.
0: Right on. That's awesome. David
1: DiDiotto and I. I. I told him... I'll sing for you if you'll teach me to play guitar. He never taught me to play guitar. I sang for the band. <laughs> we basically just did a lot of Yardbirds and, and Led Zeppelin covers.
0: Oh, yeah? So you didn't do originals? It was all... We
1: did, yeah, we did some originals, yeah. but we were high school kids. In it's a 19-
0: great nine, name.
1: Whatever. No, it's terrible. I
0: name. think it's great. It's, like, an it's
1: Irish drinking song name.
0: Is that what it... Is that where it came from?
1: For we are jolly mortals, blah, 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 it's blah, It's perfectly blah. good. probably all of the lyrics <laughs> of the entire song because they're drunk Irishmen. Right.
0: <laughs> That's, uh, was Eric Sugg friends with you guys? Yeah, yeah Eric, yeah.
1: Uh, who's now, uh, what is his? Demon, Demon Eye. Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, which has gotten some notoriety. They're growing, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was, it was between him and John Swart as to who was going to be the bassist of the jolly mortals mm. in high school. And... And he would he would agree with this. Um, we had I sat down with the two of them, and I was like, okay, um, what's a really easy song we can teach them that we do? So we did a cover of everything was a cover for us. Of uh, Train Kept a Rollin'. Yeah. It was a Yardbirds. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I sat down with them, try to get them to learn the little bass line, which is one finger moving. Yeah. Up, and Right. And uh, it's like whoever learns it first is going to be the bassist. And John figured it out sooner and. and um. Poor Eric. I mean, he he couldn't get it. You know, weeks later he's like, "I got it now," and it's still wrong.
0: Just can't get that rhythm. And
1: that guy is amazing. He is. I
0: love like I loved uh, Dragstrip Syndicate. Yeah, that was really one of my favorite bands. And um, and and I I like those. I
1: think that was the that might have been the band my brother was in. He played with uh, Eric Sugg for a while in a Mm -hmm. band. It was him, Eric, and uh, oh crap, the drummer guy his name just went away. Matt first. Forrest? No. no.
0: Um,
1: and it's gone. That,
0: Who's your brother?
1: Andrew Dovey. Okay. Um, and he plays bass and he plays bass well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I know him. Was But you think he was in Dragstrip?
1: I think so. He mm-hmm. was in one of the, the um, sort of um, almost guitar driven surf rock bands mm-hmm. that Eric. Had.
0: There were three guitar players in Dragstrip Syndicate. It was a pretty um, big, big wall.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, actually, no they made it, they made it work so that it wasn't like, you know, cacophony. They had, they, they did different things, you know. But
1: I, I have no clue. But the two of them played together,
0: mm-hmm. and that was
1: I think that was Eric's second band,
0: um, mm-hmm. and
1: then maybe Dragstrip Syndicate. It was, you know,
0: he was he was on here like a uh, while ago. Oh, Eric. Was? Yeah, like about a year ago. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it was really cool talking to him um so I think we're at like five hours yeah something like that and I <laughs> the thing stopped for a second I had to start it again so it's only counting from where I had started it over so oh, I think we're probably at a good point where okay. we can wrap it up but there was a bunch more stuff I wanted to ask you about so we'll just have to Whatever. keep talking some other time <laughs> thanks for coming over though sure, on Sunday sunny night cool alright well that was a nice a lovely chat with uh Mr. Chris Dovey, and um, I'd like to thank him. I I forgot to mention in the introduction that he is, as he says, working on Code VA. It's about getting people to teach kids how to code, computer code, in schools in Virginia. I'm sure you can find out more about it. Just look it up, Code VA. Chris Dovey.
3: Uh,
0: Great talk, inspiring to me. I just got done uh, recording... uh, Another talk with Ryan Waste, uh, Municipal Waste fame, and we had a good time, real fast, because he had to get out of here and go to Pittsburgh, apparently. But we got it in. I think we got it in. It was a good talk. Uh, Look forward to posting that one. As I said before, I'm really trying to get on a more regular schedule with this, doing the best I can. Fuck you if you don't like it. Um, If you do like it, go to the Tantra Conversation web site TantraConversation.com There is a donate button Really appreciate you showing your support If uh, more people showed their support And I, I know there are enough of you out there Listening to it Because I can see the fucking Google Analytics And people talk to me about it So I know you're listening to it Kick I mean it's like a Netflix subscription You know Put in $8 $10 $20 um, You know Then I, we can really get some shit going with this um, I can only justify spending so much time on it when I get another job but boy would it be great if I could make it a whole thing you know but hey everybody's gotta work and I like my job so as I but um yeah oh shit I just found out Blowfly died you guys ever heard Convoy before you gotta check that out he goes through the whole alphabet saying a dirty word for each letter I heard that when I was like 14 I thought it was genius and I think it Unfortunately influenced me He had the incredible folk And he had shitting on the dock of the bay And I have always loved Substituting um, Dirty words and songs um, In order to have fun with them I just thought of one last night I can't remember Um, Oh yeah and then he kissed me Well this isn't that dirty Anyway Check it out He goes A Asshole B A bastard C. Cunt. A D. Dickhead. E. E. Pussy. F. Fucker.